Broadcasting live from the RNR studios in Las Vegas, Nevada. It's the premier destination for an inside look into the Las Vegas Raiders. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor. Presented by Tequila Embajador. What's good? We got... What's good, Raider Nation? Welcome back to Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM on a Monday. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor, brought to you by Tequila Embajador, Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM. And we are talking about the draft. We're talking about free agency. And man, I have been taking a deep dive. I'm already getting ready for next week in Indianapolis. Get a chance to see some of these guys up close and personal. Thankfully that it all got worked out because there was about a minute or two this weekend where we were wondering if there really was going to even be a um, a, a scouting combine, at least the kind that we uh, have uh, come to know and love and, and appreciate. But it looks like that got all worked out. Thankfully, I didn't really have many worries that it wouldn't. Um, but obviously... The Raiders have some big needs uh, going into free agency and in the draft. We've been talking quite a bit about what direction do they take? Do they solve some? What problems do they solve through free agency? What problems do they solve uh, in in the draft? So when we're talking about the draft, and I've got them taken in my mock draft, which I haven't published yet, but I will hear pretty soon, an offensive tackle in round one and a wide receiver in round two. As the show goes on, we will talk about um, what, how that looks and want to get your thoughts on what you want to do. And let's just, when we go into this, just have to assume that the Raiders didn't get what they wanted to get done in free agency. That's the only, that's the best way we could do that. You want, if you're a Raider fan, obviously you hope they take care of their most glaring needs through free agency. This way, when they get to the draft, they could be more flexible. They don't have to necessarily be cornered into something uh, that they have to do in the draft. I felt like these last few years, there were times where because they weren't able to take care of some problems um, through free agency or they missed on some draft picks, they were forced into some corners. I thought that was the case last year. Obviously, having to take a safety in the second round, which turned out to be good, but an offensive tackle in the first round, which... The jury is still out on uh, Alex Leatherwood. And boy, I'll tell you what, when you look at the Raiders draft, when you look at free agency, Alex Leatherwood plays such an important role in this. And I can't wait till next week in Indianapolis uh, to talk to Dave Ziegler, if we get a chance to talk to him, but for sure, Josh McDaniels, what's the plan for Alex Leatherwood? Because what the plan is, whatever their plan is for Alex Leatherwood it determines what they're going to do at some other positions. Do you keep Alex Leatherwood at guard or do you move him back to right tackle? Because if you move him back to right tackle, now you might need a right guard unless Denzel Good is ready to go and you put him right back at right guard, which is kind of what the plan was last year. That was the plan. If Remember, it was going to be Andre James at center, Denzel Good at right guard, Alex Leatherwood at right tackle. You have a veteran in Denzel Good who is going to help the rookie, Alex Leatherwood, and help the first-year starter at center, Andre James. It never came to fruition except for, what, one half of one game, that game being the season opener. Then everything kind of exploded uh, in, in the Raiders' face because Denzel Good goes down with an injury to start the season. And that was on top of Richie Incognito, who was going to flank the young center to the left, 
going down in training camp. And then everything had to be adjusted. John Simpson plays left guard. Um, it started a couple of just really just quick replacements in training camp at right guard until that just didn't work out. And so in Alex Leatherwood, it wasn't exactly like he was setting the world on fire at right tackle. So now they got to move him to right guard to fill that hole because they had Brandon Parker, somebody that they trusted a little bit at least to hold down right tackle. That right side of that offensive line was never secure last year, ever. And you look at the statistics, you look at the grading of Pro Football Focus. We're going to talk to some people from Pro Football Focus this week and today uh, in general. The right side of the Raiders' offensive line was so below average that it just really put pressure on that offense to figure it out a different way, to work around it. Um, it just it, it never got solidified. There's a lot of reasons why, uh, but the facts are the facts. And so as you go into this season, what you do with Alex Leatherwood, the belief that the Raiders have in their young offensive linemen at whatever position is going to go a long way toward determining what they do in free agency, what they do in the draft. And I'm talking about to find players that they believe can contribute like right now. There's no doubt in my mind that the Raiders are going to make, they're going to draft some offensive linemen. They're going to bring some offensive linemen in through free agency. You have to. The question is, are you going to invest what it takes to bring in guys that are going to start immediately? Are you going to take a chance in the draft that you could do that? And what about Denzel Good? He's still under contract for next year. I know I saw some uh, speculation out there that maybe that's a cap casualty, somebody to create, somebody that they would cut to, you know, uh, create some money under the cap. Right As of right now, the Raiders are just a tick over $20 million um, in projected cap space. Maybe that's the answer. Maybe Denzel Good, a healthy Denzel Good at right guard helps Alex Leatherwood at right tackle. Demon, are you willing to take that chance? I don't know. Leatherwood, he, he like you said, like, but I think you should keep him at guard because what if it doesn't work out again? Well, you definitely have to draft somebody. You definitely have to bring somebody in through free agency to, you know, double down your bed, I guess, to protect yourself. I mean, if you can go get a starter at right tackle right now and you feel good about but that's that's where I'm – I can't wait till next week to finally sit down and talk to Josh McDaniels and Dave Ziegler if we get the opportunity to find out what's the plan with with Alex Leatherwood. Well, do you think? Well, do you think they'd be honest and just like in in the press conferences that they are going to give next week at the combine? Well, now, I'm not saying like try to be deceive like deceive the media, but just like. Hey, we don't know yet. You didn't know. I don't really, think they're going to say they we don't know him. yet. They haven't seen him on the field. I know they have. Oh, the they've tape. been. They've they've watched every by now. They've seen every snap. Yes, they've seen every tape. But don't you think that they would want to see what he could do in their system or with their coaches and see if they could coach him up? I don't know that you go into uh, OTAs without having that clarified. And maybe what happens in free agency and the draft clarifies it for you. Because if you don't get your intended targets, maybe you have to just settle for, all right, this is what we're going to have to do because this is in response to what we weren't able to do in free agency in the draft, right? 
Um, so I think no, I think that I think that this week they'll. I'm sure they'll say something along the lines where we're going to keep all our options open, and we're going to see how all the pieces fit. That's always a uh, kind of a catchphrase, but um, but I think they do have a pretty good idea of what they want to try to do, and that's the question though. What what is it? Do you feel he'd be better suited just? playing right guard where he played the majority of last season and showed some improvement here and there. It just really, for him, it's, it's a matter of being more consistent. Or is he just better suited at right tackle, too? You know, that, that's a different, those are two different worlds. Yes, guys can do it, but there's certain, you know, a, a lot of times somebody does something better at one position than the other. And I guess Denzel Good plays into it as well because he's shown that he could also play right tackle. So, you know, maybe that's the answer. Maybe if you feel good enough about Good and Alex Leatherwood in some sort of form or fashion on the right side of the offensive line, then you're not as desperate to invest a high draft pick in either of those two positions, whether it's right guard uh, or right tackle. Are you okay with John Simpson? Is the new staff good with John Simpson? That's another question. He played okay, but, you know, if you're the Raiders, you're looking to upgrade. You're looking to put yourself in a position where you guarantee yourself the highest level of play as possible or put yourself in a position to, you know, to get the highest level of play possible. Is John Simpson – do you go into it? That's the thing about this new coaching staff, Damon, and why – it creates unease for players because you may have proven something to the other guy, but you have to do it all over again with the new crew. And those guys may have already kind of made a decision on, we need to upgrade this position. We need to upgrade that position. We need to upgrade that, uh, that position. Devon. Yeah. So, and when you saying that in regards to Alex Leatherwood, I don't see what the benefit would be if, when Josh McDaniels or Dave Ziegler, when they're talking next week, for the benefit to say, "Oh, we are we're going to move him here, or we we're going to put him back here." I do think that it is. Well, the draft and free agency will tell you that as soon as they bring yeah. in. But I do think that you, I'm not saying take the wait and see approach, but I think that you need to see like, is he going to come back improved? You, the, the, all of these things, their variables, like, oh, I mean, he stepped it up, he, whatever he did in the offseason, it was great, and we believe that he can be the right tackle now, or he can come in, he can be, yeesh, right guards where it's at. Right. Yes, uh, no doubt about it. And that's why, you, you know, you can't necessarily wait until, you know, OTAs and training camp to make that, to make that decision. Or, or because that, you know, ultimately, that's when it's going to be proven one way or another. He's going to, but I, but I, but I think, Man, I, to me, it almost benefits Alex Leatherwood more right now if you kind of establish something for him so he can work on what he needs to work on this offseason. Like starting right now on one of those two positions, I think it's too much for him to kind of go into it open-ended. Like, well, you might play right tackle or you might play right guard. Now, maybe that's the approach that they take, and if so, that's fine. Um, but I wonder if that's asking a little bit too much rather than sort of defining something for him right now. Okay. You're, this is the plan. You're going to, you know, uh, get as much work as you possibly can at right tackle. That's where we believe your future is. And then adjust off of that or right guard and then adjust off of that. 
But um, but you're right. I think that free agency and the tra- and 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 the draft are going to tell you where they're really going uh, with him. But I'm just curious, and I don't know if we'll get the answer, but I'm darn sure going to ask. Hey, what's the plan with Alex Leatherwood? Because I think it's a big part of what the Raiders are going to do along their offensive line. Obviously, Raider Max is on the line. How you doing, Raider Max? Hey, Vinny, how you? Good, man. Good. I appreciate the show. Hey, you guys sound like fans, man. You guys got to give this kid a chance. You, fans, I have friends that was just wailing on uh, uh, um, on Colt Miller. Oh, he's the worst. Give him a chance, and that's what John Gruden did. You guys, it's only one year. Leatherwood, I mean, I hear Raider fans and all that. I've been a Raider fan all my life. You got to let guys develop. You can't just get rid of them every time something happens. And I understand you need a backup plan just in case because the offensive line was bad. But give the kid a chance. Do not just go out there and, and, and get rid of him or, or whatever the plan is. You got to get a yeah, and- Cole Miller was horrible. Believe me, I, I took a lot of uh, uh, a lot of uh, brief grief about it, but Colt Miller is one of the top 10 or 15 line um, left tackles in the game. And you you got to give Leatherwood a chance. Okay, I, no, no, no. Real, real quick, real quick. Hear yeah. what I'm saying. I'm not giving up on him. I'm just trying to figure out what's the plan for him. Is it at right guard or right tackle? Because depending on where you stick him or where you uh, feel that he's going to give you the best performance, then you have to replace the other position because there's no way Brandon Parker is going to be back as a starting right yeah, tackle. I agree with you. So I that's that's what I'm saying. I'm not saying give right. up on Alex Leatherwood. I think that he's got okay. a future in well, this league. Here's, the thing. here's one more thing, and I'll let you go. Man. Here's one more thing uh, on, on, on Leatherwood. He, he's a rookie. People got to understand, you know, Jamal Chase and different rookies have experience, but most rookies don't do that. Most rookies, you know, you know, it takes them a time. Yep. It takes them a couple of years to to, to, to get into the league and do what they're supposed to do. Just give them an opportunity, Raider fans. You guys are, are, are blowing him out, but you did the same thing with Colt Miller, and look what Colt Miller turns out to be. He's the greatest, but he's one of the top ten in the league. So yeah. I'm with you, uh, Raider Max, and I think that they will. Uh, you have to. You invested a first-round pick, unless you're going to trade him for something that you think is better right now, uh, and that's obviously on Dave Ziegler and Josh McDaniels, what approach they want to take with that. But assuming he's back on the team, which I think that that's a good assumption to make, my only uh, question is, all right, so do you keep him at right guard or do you move him back out to right tackle? Because one way or another, they're going to have to figure out the other position, the position that Alex Leatherwood isn't playing. Now, if they do move him back to right tackle and Denzel Good is good to go for another year, maybe that's the answer. And that was the plan all along last year. That's the plan they went into uh, last year with. Andre James at center, Denzel Good at right guard, Alex Leatherwood at right tackle. But it all obviously all blew up in everybody's face when Denzel Good gets hurt, and then they couldn't find a suitable right guard. And so to try to fix that problem, and again, at that point, Alex Leatherwood just really wasn't getting the job done uh, at right tackle. And so they figured, well, maybe we'll move him to right guard. That'll help that position and maybe help him as well. And then Brandon Parker, a veteran who had been in the system for a few years, not the best option, but also somebody that you know they felt could at least hold the fort down, put him at right tackle. 
so that's what they did. But again, they drafted now, when we say they, it was Mike Mack and John Gruden, they drafted him to be a right tackle. They moved him to right guard. What's the long-range future for Alex Leatherwood? And by long-range, basically the 2022 season at this point. And if you do, if you feel like, okay, we're going to give him a shot at right tackle, we feel like uh, what we saw on film and our belief in our coaches and our system is going to get him right at right tackle, great. Then he's the right tackle. You don't have to necessarily worry about that as a priority position in the draft or in free agency. That doesn't mean you don't bring somebody in. Obviously, you're going to have to bring somebody in. I don't think uh, Brandon Parker is going to be back. He's a free agent. So you have, if it's Leatherwood at right guard, right tackle or right guard, and, you know, Denzel Good is kind of a wild card. He played a lot of right guard or tackle, excuse me, in 2020, if you remember, because of everything that was going on with the offensive line. Hint, hint, Trent Brown not playing. So they had to do some things with him at right tackle. He's played both positions. I think ideally, if you feel like Leatherwood could get the job done, then maybe Denzel Good is your right guard and Leatherwood's your right tackle. But I don't know. And that's why I'm just curious to find out, you know, at this point, what do you think the plan would be for Alex Leatherwood? And I'll throw that out to the listeners as well. I'm certainly going to ask Josh McDaniels. And if we get a chance to talk to Dave Ziegler next week, uh, that as well. Back out to the Raider Nation listen line, Houston in L.A. How you doing, Houston? Hey, hey, Vinny, what's up? How you guys doing out there? We're doing good, man. Thank you. All right. Um, all right, listen. Um, I understand what my guy was saying as far as Cole, Cole Miller's concerned and the Leatherwood thing. Now, I was thinking the same thing about Cole Miller when he came out originally because I wanted the linebacker from Buffalo. Uh, his name was, uh, I think it was number 54, uh, Trent, oh, Tremont M. Uh, 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 and he's not really doing that much right now. So I'm glad they didn't listen to me. But my thing with uh, Leatherwood is that I'm seeing false stars left and right. I'm seeing him getting blown out the water, man. I'm seeing all this crazy stuff. And you never know. It could be another Colton Miller case. So I will give him one more year. But if midseason, if I see that same stuff, I'm not going to lie, man. I'm trying to get third from him. I'm telling you, a third-round pick. Well, you know, if he can't get it done, you're never going to get a third-round pick for him. If he if he shows this year that he can't play, that's that's out the door. Nobody's going to give up anything of value uh, for him if he just completely flops this year. Again, I'm not trying to blow Alex Leatherwood out of the water at, at all. I saw enough last year to show me, you know, with some consistency, with some better fundamentals, with um, maybe a different system – a different voice, a different coaching staff that it's going to be able, they should be able to get him to a respectable level. And right now for his second year, just a consistently respectable level would work wonders for this Raiders offensive line, because far too often last year, it was not respectable. It was, Far from respectable. And that right side of the offensive line, as a result, was arguably the worst right side of an offensive line in the NFL. And so when you want to talk about your quarterback play at times, when you want to talk about your running game struggling, a lot of that has to do with what wasn't happening or what they didn't 
what they were counting on but didn't get from the right side of the offensive line. So one way or another, they're going to have to get that solidified. And I don't think throwing Alex Leatherwood out the door is the answer. There's too much to like about him as a player. He may never be an all-pro. He may never be Colton Miller. But if he can be solid as a right-side offensive lineman, you know, that helps the Raiders a lot considering what the right side was doing last year. But again, the first question is that Josh McDaniels and Dave Ziegler uh, and the new coaching staff has to ask themselves is, is he the right guard or is he the right tackle? Did he show you? And there was really, I mean, a couple of games, three games of film that there is of Alex Leatherwood at right tackle. I don't even know if that's enough to them, for them to determine, you know, whether that's his spot or not. But they're going to have to make that decision pretty quickly. I don't think it's something that you th- just throw it out there in training camp and let the best man win. I mean, ultimately, it's going to come down to that. Any- but I think for if you're trying to maximize Alex Leatherwood, if you're trying to get the best out of Alex Leatherwood in his sophomore season, I think he needs a defined role almost starting right now so he could devote his whole offseason to mastering that role rather than you might be a right guard, you might be at right tackle, so just work on both and you know we'll check back with you in OTAs. I don't think that's the way to go. I don't think that's what's going to happen. I'm not, not to say that they're going to tell us <laughs> what, what they're telling Alex Leatherwood, uh, but as DeMond said, through free agents, comes first and then the draft I think we're going to have a pretty good idea Uh, but when we get back I'll talk about who I have my eye on for the Raiders in the first and second round and lo and behold it's a tackle and a wide receiver in that order and uh, we'll talk about that in just a little bit you're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor brought to you by Tequila in Bajota Raider Nation Radio 920 AM on a Tuesday Interact with the show. Text Vinny at 69187 or tweet at him at Vinny Bonsignor. This is In the Huddle with Raiders beat writer Vinny Bonsignor on Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. What's good? What's good? What's good? Okay, I'm just going to get right to it, you guys. With the first pick for the Raiders in the first round, I think it's 22nd overall. Offensive tackle Charlie Cross from Mississippi State. And in the second round, wide receiver Justin Ross from Clemson. Yes, I know there's been some injury concerns with Justin Ross, but when this guy is on the football field and you just got to hope that the medical, that's why this week is so important, next week I should say, in Indianapolis, uh, getting a look at Justin's medicals, after the years that he played at Clemson. Uh, Remember, he had the neck injury, and then he had the foot uh, surgery last year. But if he's clean from that point, if the doctors determine that he's clean, this is a dude that can play, and I think in the second round, gives the Raiders a whole bunch of value in the second round. So Charlie Cross, Charles Cross, Mississippi State offensive tackle, took a big leap this year, from last year, graded out really high, 
according to draft experts, pro profile fo focus uh, in general, and then Justin Ross in the second round. You want to flip it and go wide receiver first round, offensive tackle second round. And now, granted, this is pre-free agency. The whole world can change in a matter of weeks heading into April uh, when the Raiders, you know, finally exercise their – who knows? They may have traded – a certain somebody and gotten a whole bunch of first round, whatever, we'll see. But as of right now, with the roster where it is right now, that's where I'm going. I want to get your thoughts on uh, where you would head in the first round. Mine, Charlie Cross, Mississippi State, Justin Ross, wide receiver, Clemson. Give us your call. Give us your thoughts, 702-365-9200. Um, and without further ado, we are going to go out to the Raider Nation guest line and welcome in a good friend of ours from Pro Football Focus, Arjan Menon, who had a great article that came out, I think, yesterday or maybe today. Arjan can uh, help me out with that, uh, listing where he yeah. believes the top 50, right? It was the top 50? Yeah, top 50. Top 50 free agents are going to land. Now, before we get into that, Arjan, thanks for joining us. Really appreciate it. Um, you didn't have the Raiders. Unless I missed it, and I, I read it twice. I don't think you had anyone landing to the Raiders of the top 50. Um, just out of curiosity. Yeah. <laughs> after I, we, we talked today, you're probably like, wow, I didn't even have anybody uh, going to the Raiders. That doesn't mean that, obviously, the Raiders aren't going to get a shutout in free agency or anything like that. And uh, it is just the top your top 50. But was it out of what you think the new regime, Josh McDaniels and Dave uh, Ziegler, are going to do? Or you just didn't see the fits with the Raiders and those, that top 50 that you had? Yeah, so I, I am sorry for Raider Nation that I wasn't able to make any uh, good predictions of free agents that would go to Las Vegas this offseason. Um, I think my most of my thought process behind that was was like the new regime that was in place. I think there's just so much uncertainty, and like I'm um, by nature not a Raiders fan, so I'm not like as in tune with what you know, McDaniels and Ziegler have been saying in the press conferences and whatnot, but I do have a pretty good understanding of like what McDaniels was likely to run. And um, I just didn't see any like perfect fits within the top 50 that I had with other teams. Um, not saying that if the Raiders signed anyone in the top 50, it wouldn't be a good fit or it wouldn't work out. I just think I found better fits elsewhere. Um, but there are definitely a ton of free agents that, you know, outside of the top 50 or even within the top 50, I think would be a good fit for the Raiders and what they're looking to do on both offense and defense. Okay. And let's keep it there uh, offensively. Um, you know, uh, they go out and draft Alex Leatherwood last year for various reasons. Yeah. It didn't work out at his intended position. Um, so they had to move him to right guard. We don't know yet if they're going to keep him at right guard or move him back out to right tackle. Uh, but let's just let's just say that they're going to keep him at right guard. Um, and, you know, so so go with that. And then also, obviously, what happened with Henry Ruggs, uh, an ascending, promising young wide receiver who was kind of blossoming into what they uh, expected uh, him to be. Obviously, that happens with Henry Ruggs. He's no longer there. So replacing him becomes a priority as well. So offensive line, wide receiver. If the Raiders were looking at free agency at those two positions, uh, where would you go if you're Dave Ziegler? Yeah, so that's a good point. And I, so I, that's thanks for clearing up the Leatherwood thing. I, I understood like his position was kind of in a flux this offseason. Um, 
I also understand Raiders have Denzel Good under contract mm-hmm. for, for next season, and he has guard tackle flexibility. Yep. I think the easiest move, if they're going to keep Leatherwood at guard, try to kick Good out to tackle, and you're kind of left with just upgrading the left guard spot. I don't see them running it back with Richie Incognito for another year. No. And obviously improving over John Simpson would be uh, like astronomically huge uh, given how Simpson played this past year. And I actually do think this is a very good um, interior offensive line class. So while doing my research on the Raiders, I actually, or specifically Josh McDaniels in general, I actually found that the Ra- the Patriots last year or like this past season had the most rush attempts um, of like a man concepts, like a man run concept. They ran that concept 135 times which was tops in the NFL. They also ran uh, the pull, like a pull lead run concept 67 times, which ranked second uh, behind only the Bills. So I kind of have like a decent understanding of what Josh McDaniels is going to run um, through his like run scheme. So while looking for potential fits for the Raiders uh, that fit what McDaniels is most likely to run, I looked for offensive linemen that, you know, played in a man concept or a pull lead concept before. And there were some intriguing options. Um, so the team that actually finished second to the Patriots in man run concept rush attempts was the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And one of their um, guards, Alex Kappa, who played right guard for the entire year for them, I think would be a, a good fit for the Raiders. I mean, I'm not too well-versed on offensive linemen switching from right guard to left guard. I imagine it wouldn't be as big of a switch as like switching from right tackle to left tackle. But I think getting Alex Kappa potentially at left guard could be a pretty strong option for them. I also really like Ted Karras, who has played all along the interior. He's played at center at times for the Miami Dolphins when he was there in 2019, I believe. And he's also played guard for the Patriots since coming back to New England in 2020 and 2021 since David Andrews was there at center. So I think those two guys just improving the left guard spot, that would be really big for the Raiders on top of them having experience in McDaniel's scheme or in a man uh, run blocking scheme. So those are two guys that I kind of highlighted. I, I, I'm going to be honest. I think the tackle market in terms of uh, just strictly right tackles is kind of weak this year. Um, I think there are a lot of good left tackles on the market with uh, Eric Fisher. Um, Morgan Moses has experience playing both sides, but then you only have Dwayne Brown left tackle Orlando Brown left tackle and Armstead left tackle. So, like I said, I think the easiest move to kind of like keep everything intact is moving good out to right tackle, um, Leatherwood at right guard, and then signing a guy like Alex Kappa or Ted Karras at left guard, who would probably be pretty cheap um, coming in free agency. What do you think Marcus, Morgan Moses is going to command? And, uh, you know, what, what do you can, you, can you see a fit with him uh, at right tackle for the Raiders? Um, I, I definitely could, you know, uh, he's, he's definitely like a little bit on the older side. He's going to be turning 31 pretty soon. Um, at PFF, we have his contract projection at three years, 22.5 mil. So around 7.5 mil APY around 14.5 mil guaranteed. Um, so he, he played right tackle for the Jets this past year. And, you know, he's been a kind of like a durable, pretty durable guy. Wouldn't surprise me if the Raiders made a move at him, um, like I said, I specifically was looking for fits in terms of, uh, in terms of, t- like the type of concept run concepts that they the offensive linemen were running in 2021 and 2020. 
So Moses coming from the New York Jets under Mike LaFleur scheme, which is a very heavy outside zone, inside zone scheme. It isn't as comparable to an, uh, to a, like a man or like a power scheme that the Patriots are running last year. But like I said, I'm not as well-versed on offensive linemen. So maybe making the switch from a zone-heavy scheme to a man-heavy scheme in terms of running the ball is something that could work out for the Raiders. And then if that happens, I think moving Denzel good to left guard and then you have a pretty experienced uh, offensive line ahead of you, except for you know Alex Leather with a right guard. We're talking to Arjun uh, Menyon from Pro Football Focus. You could follow him at Arjun Menyon One Hundred. Uh, okay, so uh, we've solved offensive uh, the offensive line to some extent. Um, yeah. Now let's look at wide receiver. Obviously, uh, Henry Ruggs was was growing into a big piece of this Raiders offense, and you saw that when you watched them play after he uh, was no longer on the team, there was a drastic difference in how that offense operated with him and then without him. Um, Trying to replace him, and I know that there's a lot of big names out there at wide receiver, can you see the Raiders dabbling in that world in free agency? And who in particular would you keep an eye on uh, as far as that goes? Yeah, no, I I totally could see them make a, a move at receiver. But what I what I thought about the Raiders and what Henry Ruggs brought to the offense, it was speed. Like it was the threat of the deep ball, and you have to respect that as a defense. That's why you know teams like the Chargers and and the Broncos are transitioning to a too high uh, pre snap system is because you need to have both safeties back so you can take away the deep ball. And that was one of the things that Derek Carr and Henry Ruggs were so good on early in the year is like they were running these play action shots with Ruggs running a deep crosser, but without him, they didn't really have the top-end speed. But now that they have McDaniels and Ziegler, I, I struggle to to put a name in terms of a, the going after top-end speed because, you know, the Patriots have never had top-end speed on their roster, even with Tom Brady, right? You have guys like Edelman, Amendola, Malcolm Mitchell, Chris Hogan. Brandon and Cooks. drafted Nikhil Herrett. Yeah, but Brandon Cooks, but he was only there for one year. Right. And he's so a free I, agent, I, by I, the way, if I remember correctly. Uh, yeah. Uh, no, I think he's under contract oh, yeah, that's for right. one more year. But he's he definitely a trade candidate. Yes. I, you know, he, that's something could, that could be explored as well. But just going back to my point, I, as much as I think replacing top-end speed would, would help, I think the Raiders go after someone who's more reliable. I think they go after someone who fits what McDaniels has had in New England, which are um, receivers that don't make mistakes receivers that don't drop the ball and receivers that can block. And so I, um, this past season, I created a, a metric. I called it drop rate over expected. So given the down in the distance, given the accuracy of the ball thrown by the quarterback and given the separation of the receiver, how likely was it that a receiver was going to drop the ball? And depending on if they dropped it or caught it, that was their over or under expected. So uh, just based on what my metric showed, the Patriots' top two receivers, Kendrick Bourne and Jacoby Myers, ranked in the top 20 of dropping the ball less than expected. So that kind of shows you how the Patriots want to build their roster or how they, you know, what type of players McDaniels had. And I think that's the type of players he's going to want in Las Vegas, players that don't drop the ball. And I don't think he's going to go for like the, like the big boomer bust type players that you get out of a Will Fuller, who's a free agent. And he might be pretty cheap this year just because he really suffered, like he didn't play at all. Right. So you could get him for pretty cheap. I think they go after someone more experienced. So I think 
some guys I had listed, Emmanuel Sanders ranked really well in my drop rate over expected metric. He ranked in the top 15 of dropping the ball less than expected. Um, another name that I, I highlighted that I thought might be a good fit, just the price might be too much, is Allen Robinson. And yes, he was in the top 50 of my article. Um, I just think if it comes down to a bidding war, which I'm not sure if it will because Robinson had a down year, but I think if it came down to a bidding war, I think other teams will and can outbid the Raiders just because the Raiders are above average in effective cap space. But there are teams that need receivers that I think will be willing to pay up a little bit more. But like just going back to the main thing, I don't think they try to replace the top end speed just right. based on what McDaniels had in New England. And there are some like pretty solid options in terms of speed with Fuller, Christian Kirk, DJ Chark has that, you know, the height speed combo that's pretty lethal. But like I said, other options on the market, Robinson, Emmanuel Sanders. I kinda like Cedric Wilson also. And I, I do think they they probably bring back Zay Jones, right? You know, as your Raiders reporter, I would um, imagine you're more in tune with it than I am. But you know, it seems like jo- Jones and Carr have had a pretty solid connection uh, the past couple of years. So yeah, I think, I, I, I think so too. And I think yeah. that um, you know, probably going back to his. Uh, previous role uh, as maybe the fourth wide receiver, or maybe he replaces Brian Edwards, and or at least create some competition uh, for Brian at that position. He's another intriguing player on this roster that hasn't quite taken that you know necessary big step, but maybe this coaching staff um, can get him to a point where the Raiders had envisioned when they when they invested the draft pick in him coming out of South Carolina a couple of years ago. Okay, last question. Let's go to the defensive side of the ball. Uh, in your analysis, um, you know that you've done on the. Raiders, what position do you think that they need most uh, to deal with in free agency on the defensive side of the football? Oh, that's a that's a tough one because I I've been shuffling between interior defensive line and cornerback. So I don't think Casey Hayward stays in the scheme as you know as a, as someone who's followed the Chargers for a while. I know the type of player he is when he's at the top of his game, like he was in twenty twenty one. I think he probably just follows Gus Bradley to Indianapolis, which I that was my prediction yep. in my article. So now you're you're left with with Trayvon Mullen, uh, Nate Hobbs, and then uh, nobody. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I can't even think of exactly uh, Nixon or something. Right. right. So, yeah. Yeah. And I don't mean like, to demean anybody, yeah. but in terms of like starting caliber cornerbacks, yeah. you're going to have to go yeah. draft somebody, trade for somebody, or sign somebody as a free agent under that scenario. Yeah. So. So that's definitely a huge issue. And when you're playing in a in a division with you know, top receivers in the league, like Keenan Allen, Tyreek Hill, Cortland Sutton, you need to have cornerback depth. But I also go back and I think about Patrick Graham, right? I, I think Patrick Graham is a tremendous like tremendous coach. I don't think he got enough credit for what he did in New York. And so I, some of the analysis I did during the season has specifically been about two high shell defenses. And there's a group of teams I like to call the Fangio Four, which are the Broncos, the Chargers, the Packers, and the Rams, because all four of them have some type of connection to Fangio, you know, in terms of who's on their defensive staff and the type of scheme they run. So all four of those teams rank number one through four in terms of pre-snap too high looks. Do you want to do you want to guess who was number five in in those looks last year? I'm gonna roll the dice and say the New York Giants. Yeah, exactly. So they were number five. <laughs> And second to last last year actually was Gus Bradley. Right. So this is you know this is this is super concerning to me. Um, you know if, if I was a Raiders fan because I know where you're headed with happened, this. 
yeah, we, we, we saw what happened in Los Angeles last year when Gus Bradley left and they, they, um, they moved to a, to Fangio scheme, right? You, you go from a one high scheme, yep. four down lineman, and now you play this two gap, two high scheme and the run defense can't, you, like the defense alignment you brought in for Gus Bradley don't fit what you, what you have for this two gap scheme. And it, that's what killed the Chargers against the Raiders in the final game of the regular season is like they just didn't have the bodies up front. So when I'm debate when I was debating between interior D line and cornerback, I think I came to saying I think interior D line is going to be more important this year for the Raiders because I think you need guys that can play Patrick Graham's scheme. And I think the interior D line market is actually really strong this year. Um, I, I had it in my top, like I put out a tweet about it the other day. I think it's one of the top three strongest position groups on the market this year. Um, a couple of names that I really like that I think the Raiders could go after. I think bringing back Jonathan Hankins could be an option and you play him at nose tackle. But if you don't want to bring him back, Sebastian Joseph Day, that's kind of the hot name on the market. From the Rams, right now, yep. who can play nose, Yeah, who can play nose tackle. Has a ton of, has two years of experience now in, in this uh, scheme, the two highest scheme. Uh, Fuller Ronso Fadukasi, he's from the Jets, kind of young also, 27 years old. He hasn't gotten a ton of love, but he, he's been grading out really well with us at PFF. And I think he can play either nose or D-tackle. But I'm curious, do you, if since Graham is switching to a 3-4, I think Cleland Farrell moves inside and he plays the like not Aaron Donald role because obviously no one is Aaron Donald, but he plays like a three tech role instead of a stand up edge role that you know like a Leonard Floyd is playing because I think Farrell's too big to play on the outside, and so when they had Bradley or Paul Gunther at, at defensive coordinator, I think I remember Farrell moving inside on obvious passing situations. I'm curious if if you think that's going to happen as well because I think that does change how the Raiders approach the offseason. Yeah, it's so interesting that you mentioned that because I've been thinking about that the last couple of days. What happens with Cleve Farrell? You know, he's coming up on his fourth year in the NFL. Um, he's pro- he's mis- uh, misplaced, I think, uh, as that edge rusher. He just doesn't have the burst that you need, but he has the size to play inside. And for whatever reason, they just avoided it last year. I would think with the new regime and their – objective is to try to get the best out of you know what they have in place it almost behooves him to give it a shot at least I think he'll excel uh, on the inside so this coaching change could help a guy like that um, and maybe the answer is already on the roster for at least one of those positions although I think that they're going to have to bring in some more defensive ends and the next or defensive tackles and the next time we have you on the other question I would ask we got to wrap it up here in a second but do they have the necessary safeties to play that too high safety look? Yeah, I don't know. Nec- yeah, definitely, yeah. Go ahead. I, I don't know. I don't. Yeah, I don't know if Abram can play the deep part of the field that you need him to because that's part of the whole too high system. You need you need to be able to confuse the quarterback with uh, rotating both safeties throughout the game. And we've seen Abram in coverage, uh, and it hasn't been pretty. And obviously, I think Merrick has been. Was, was great for the Raiders last year, specifically as the free safety or center fielder in Gus Bradley's scheme. But you need to have versatile safeties. You need to have safeties that can play the deep part of the field and play inside the box in Patrick Graham's two-high scheme that he's going to be running. Absolutely. Year. Well, that's a conversation for another day, but you're definitely coming on uh, to talk about it. I really appreciate Arjun. Uh, thank you very, very much. Keep up the great work, and we'll have you back on uh, in no time. Thank you, man. All right, thank you. 
that's some good information right there. And, you know, we talk about schemes and things like that. Uh, and I know Patrick Graham said don't get too caught up in it. But at some point you have to get caught up into it a little bit because you have to have the right players to excel in the scheme. And that too high safety look, which he ran a lot in New York, if that's what the plan is here with the Raiders, that's a problem potentially for a guy like Jonathan Abram who just can't quite do that. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor brought to you by Tequila and Bajada, Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM on a Tuesday. You're listening to Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM. Now, back to your host, Vinny Bonsignor. Lots of questions for the Raiders. Um, you know, a lot of it's predicated, especially defensively. I think... Well, a couple things, offensively and defensively. Um, the Raiders were a zone-blocking scheme these last couple of years, and they're bringing in a system that, you know, was a lot of man-blocking. Maybe that helps. Maybe that helps somebody like an Alex Leatherwood. On the other hand, defensively, if, you go, if, you're, if you're going on past history, Patrick Graham, the new defensive coordinator, uh, who I think was a coup for the Raiders in hiring prying away from the New York Giants who wanted him back. Did a lot with a little. Didn't have the most talent in New York. But was able to get some, you know, really good production, especially on those money downs. Remember we talked about it, or money situations. The Giants were really good in the red zone, and that makes a huge difference in the whole scheme of things. Josh McDaniels was really good, and the Patriots were really good in the red zone offensively. So if you could just get both of those areas, those were areas that the Raiders struggled in on both sides of the ball. If you could get both of those areas improved, all of a sudden a 10-win team, realistically, can be a 12-win team. But, you know, when you talk about Patrick Graham and the Giants being, you know, utilizing that too high safety look fourth most in the NFL last year, that's going to mean some changes for the Raiders. I think Trayvon Morrig will flourish in that assignment. But who do you play alongside him? Jonathan Abram, we saw last year. I thought the Raiders did a really good job with Jonathan Abram in sliding him down closer to the line of scrimmage as that box safety. We talked about it all last offseason and really this year when he was playing at a pretty decent level. It managed his weaknesses in pass coverage. Nothing against him. That just hasn't been a strength for him. What do you do as a coach? You put your players in the best possible position to succeed. And Gus Bradley sized it up immediately, you know, and it fit for what he was trying to do anyway. But that's with that too high safety look, that changes things big time for Jonathan Abram. And, you know, maybe that's somebody that if they are going to go down that road, that Patrick Graham has gone down, it, it just it doesn't seem like a fit. So that changes things as well because now you're thinking about, you know, a, a, a safety that can play uh, in that kind of a system or maybe the draft. What happens to Jonathan Abram? Is he a trade candidate? You know, by the way, uh, that fifth-year option for those 2019 draft picks, yeah, that decision needs to be made pretty soon for Clee Farrell, for Jonathan Abram, uh, for Josh Jacobs. I don't see any of them getting a fifth-year option at this point. It's pretty disappointing when you think about three first-round picks not 
really one of them are gonna are gonna get that fifth year. Um, but it is what it is, and that's why uh, some changes were made. Um, and now the, the the new regime has to do what it can with what's on hand, and then also enhance it through the draft and free agency trades. I would imagine that they're gonna explore all possibilities. But it sure will be interesting to see which direction they take, especially with some of the scheme differences that we're going to see. It's just bound to happen between what was in place last year and what's going to be in place this year. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor, brought to you by Tequila Embajador, Raider Nation Radio 920 AM on a Tuesday.